You're listening to Addicted to Growth. Join us each week as we sit down with sales, marketing, and revenue leaders on the front lines of innovation. New insights, new playbooks, new tech, new lessons. Step forward into growth and development or backwards into safety and security. The choice is yours. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to another episode of Addicted to Growth. Um, I'm super excited to have Michael Burton on with us. And before we get into that, um, definitely want to share with you guys a little bit about, you know, what this show has, has been doing for Kevin and I. And um, just to give a little context about what we're doing here, um, you know, growing companies' revenue is no longer about generating, you know, thousands of leads at the top of the funnel and, you know, sales making $100 a day. Right. So like sales, marketing and all things revenue are evolving fast and, you know, successful companies, you know, find that their growth now comes from a blended, you know, combination of sales enablement, operations, technology, you know, social, you know, outreach and social um, building and also community building. Right. So. Kevin and I have been seeing this shift over, you know, the last couple of months and, you know, we're here to help you better understand how to be on the front lines of innovation. So new technologies, new roles, new approaches, new playbooks. And so like today we are super excited to stay with Michael Burton from Bombora and he's going to take us through, you know, what he's been seeing in the market from his perspective and um, share a little bit about, you know, how he's helping his company grow and, and his clients. So welcome to the show, Michael, super excited to have you. Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. This is great. Of course, Mike. I'm so I'm so excited to have you on, man. Because it's like a little, it's a cool little reunion for us, right? We go we go back, but um, I've I've been lucky enough to work with you, but also have like a close vantage point to to Bombor and how you guys have been growing, been rooting big time from the sidelines. But I kind of see like you guys almost created a category of this this concept of intent data that's helping sales teams sell more effectively marketers market more effectively can you maybe kind of go back a few years and discuss like what was it you saw going on in the marketplace where you saw intent data kind of filling the void yeah um i don't know that we i'll just tell you the story and then you can tell me if we were visionary or if we just got lucky i, I think we probably <laughs> got lucky but um you know we know we work together at a media business called madison logic and so the founding team at Bombora was inside of this media business called Madison Logic. And there we had this asset. Uh, we had this, at the time, we called behavioral data. And that behavioral data came from uh, lead generation advertising programs and display advertising programs. We, we witnessed behavior. And we, all we really knew is that that data uh, was worth something and had some value. And we just started kind of fiddling around with how to, how to monetize it or how to leverage it. Um, and it was through that process and just kind of like following that thread that we started to figure out, I was like, yeah, this could, this is really valuable. If we had enough of it, we had more scale and we, we found the right applications for it. And that kind of led to this idea of building a bigger data universe and, and growing out what has become the Bombora cooperative. Um, so yeah, the seeds of it were planted in Madison Logic, and then eventually we spun the business out and, and made it its own independent data company. 
Uh, and then we grew our, our data footprint from there and, you know, happy to talk more about how it evolved. But in the early days, I don't know that we knew exactly what we were onto necessarily. We just knew there was some value in this data. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think that's how a lot of companies more or less get, get started. It's like they know there's something there and you just have to start seeing it through to know exactly whether it's got the legs you thought it may have or you have to pivot. I'm assuming there must have been at one point this like aha moment, right, for you guys where you're like, yep, like it, it, confirming or validating what you thought. Was there that kind of moment? Was it maybe working with a specific customer, a use case validation? Like what, where was that, that validation for you guys? Yeah, I think it was it was pretty early on. It probably wasn't one moment, but early on we could see that when we use the data for email marketing or um, advertising programs, it worked. It provided lift. So it was it was kind of one of those things of like, okay, if this works, imagine if we had a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the things didn't have very much, right? We just had whatever we had at Madison Logic, which is one kind of one silo. Um, and so, yeah, it was like early on, we we're like, man, yeah, if the, the theory was if this works, imagine if we, we could, you know, 100x, 1,000x the amount of data we had, then you know, we, we would definitely be on to something. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And it's, it's definitely, I think, changed the way that sales teams are going to market, right? It's definitely changing the way that, that marketers are going to market. I mean, how... For you guys, I mean, is this something that you guys are leveraging yourselves to to help, you know, kind of zero in a bit more on on who you guys should be going after? Or is this more so just more of like, how do you help your customers? Yeah, no, we 100% use it ourselves. We have a SDR organization. They're probably the, there's multiple users and stakeholders, but I, I'd put them as number one in terms of value realization and, and like kind of super users. They use it to prioritize their outbound. And then we use it inside of marketing automation to, to accelerate leads that we already had. Um, so the SDRs are kind of enjoying it in two different ways. And it, it pretty, you know, it probably drives 80% of their behavior. I mean, there's still, of course, like an exec walks by and says, why aren't we at BMC? And now the SDR has got to go spend his, you know, a couple hours on BMC, even though there's no intent data. It's just, you know. Yeah, there's still the old way of doing things for sure, but most of the SDR work is keyed off of, of intent data. And then, you know, our marketing team uses it for LinkedIn and display advertising and, you know, other top of funnel use cases. So we try to be our, our best customer. We're probably not our very best customer, but we're, we're, we're up there. I got a quick question on that in terms of like prioritizing outbound and accelerating pipeline. Like it, if being someone that also has used intent data in, in, um, in my outreach before and understanding the value that it brings, like what are some things that you or your team have been finding have been like driving success for you? Like, cause obviously, you know, it, with being, uh, aware of, um, you know, so-and-so's in market for this solution right now, like somebody's searching SEO, somebody's searching, you know, marketing automation, and then someone's also searching social media management, right? Like, could yeah. you talk a little bit about like how you guys are like actually using that in the day to day, if you don't mind? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the things that we, we tell our customers and ourselves is to keep it simple. I think, you know, you look at all this granular data and, you know, everyone has a slightly different approach, but you get all this stuff, you get these topics and scores and, uh, or like, you know, this user did this or that. We, we try to keep it simple. Start with prioritization. 
just purely, even if you just got a list of companies and you didn't get anything else, no topics, no scores, just the prioritization alone is a lot of the value. So just kind of like live in that a little bit. Like these are better companies than some random group of companies. And don't get so like hung up on the scores and the topics and the details. Now, from that platform of prioritization, if there are, if there kind of intelligence jumps out of the topics that can enhance your talk track, use it. But what the mistake we see is, well, oh, they're surging on these two topics. What does that mean versus this company surging on those four topics? It's like it, 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 there's diminishing returns in trying to extract every bit of value, uh, but there's really, really strong returns in prioritization and just kind of, you know, account intelligence um, when it's obvious and easy. If that Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say 100%. Yeah. I think like just just in general the the crawl walk run approach of like listen like you can get super complex and you know that's maybe one day for you, but just the the simple component of being directional like I've run sales teams with with an outbound responsibility and like yeah like firmographic data is great but not really right like it's just you know it's just yeah I think because we have a customer that looks like this. The, the rest should buy us. And then that's never, that's never the case. So just that simple prioritization, I think gets, gets you a level up that for sure you, there, there's tremendous value there. I mean, l- let me ask you this too, because I know you guys have a, you guys have a freemium model, right? And I think that's another component that a lot of companies, you know, think about it's like, is freemium for us? Is it not for us? Um, I know Personally, I use your freemium model, um, and I know a lot of people that do. Um, I mean, for for you guys, like, is that a really good lead gen tool for you guys as well? Yeah, it's definitely it's an important part of the mix for sure. Um, I you know, I think there's sometimes we wonder if we're putting our best foot forward because in a freemium model, you just you get the data in an email once a week. And we're really deep believers in automated workflow, so using the data through an integration like Salesforce for marketing automation or whatever so there's a little bit of push and pull there um, but people seem to get value out of it and it certainly yeah it's a big part of a kind of like our waterfall um so it's been it's been good nice nice yeah it's uh it, the, the whole freemium component's interesting but what you said is is kind of even more interesting around this the sense of like you want users to work in their workplace like have it integrated in the systems that they're in every single day you guys now are integrated, I think, in pretty much every major like sales, marketing, tech stack there is, which is which is amazing. How much of, of a part of a, of a of your growth strategy has that been? Is to make that that workflow seamless? It's it's yeah. We we made a decision um, somewhere along the way to just be a data company, and not only just be a data company, but to be a specialist in this one thing called intent data because it's a really big charter all by itself you know we have to go contract one-to-one relationships with lots and lots and lots of media companies then we need to curate that data and turn it into a powerful signal then we need to integrate it into systems so that it becomes usable it's it's a lot um so we made the decision to just be an intent data company and to you know be the best at that one thing uh, and to be focused on it to be the leader in that one thing and then um so yeah, then from that, yeah, we have to be really good at integrating the data into into lots of workflows and vendors and partners and systems of record or else, you know, we'd really struggle 
um, because you need the data to, to be kind of put into workflow to be successful. Yeah, almost as if you're you're the you're the currency of intent data. Like nothing else matters. No other vendor in the space matters. Like you're the standard. You're the currency. Well, we have competitors. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have competitors. I mean, there's there's challenges to being a data specialist who only does one thing, right? Because there's parts of the market that say, you know, if the intent data is not as good, that's okay. I want to buy this big package that comes with lots and lots of stuff, and that's you know that's kind of what our uh, competition is in market is is the kind of the do it all one stop shop platforms, um, whereas we're kind of this um, you know the specialist where hey I really want the best possible steak so I'm going to go to the butcher and I'm going to buy the steak from the butcher and then I'm going to go across the street to the bakery and get a really good cake like we fit into that mentality yeah um, but we don't fit into kind of the you know our competitors have the the one stop shop kind of uh, approach. So let, let me ask this too, right? Cause the, I think when you look at the space you guys play in, like it's just gotten noisier and noisier over as the years and as time goes on, right? It's becoming more competitive. You know, everybody has, whether it's intent data, you know, ABM, like there's, those are just things that are thrown on every single website for the sake of it. How are you and your team going to market? And like, what, what's your, what's your approach for differentiating Bombora and your value prop versus everybody else out there. Yeah, um, well, we we see the market in three categories. Um, these this what we call single source. So you know where the intent data emanates from. You know a publishing site that where the publisher owns that data. Um, so like the kind of the best examples of this would be Tech Target and G Two Crowd. And there, you know, no argument. We think their data is awesome. Uh, right. We don't. We just, you know, it's it's inherently limited just based on their model, but it's really good. And it's also really compliant, right? You don't have to worry about privacy. You don't mm -hmm. have to worry about where they get the data, how they get the data. So, you know, we just like, they're our intent data brethren, I'd say. I don't know if they'd say that about us, but we that's how we <laughs> um, And then there's this, we sit in the middle of the market. We think we have this amazing blend of, um, you know, quality, transparency, and scale. Is we operate this big cooperative, we have relationships with all of the members of the co-op. So we have this really kind of um, this value exchange um, that leads to transparency and compliance and quality. Um, so I think that's why we've gotten far. Is we, we, you know, you can kind of you can explain where the data comes from and people understand it. And it's, you know, it's um, and but it also gives you the scale you need to to fuel a go-to-market, right? Like um, you, you guys. So think about SDR contacts you've seen, right? Like if, I, if I'm an SDR, if I only have 10 companies recommended to me in a week, well, I'm done by Monday early afternoon or Monday morning. And, you know, you need more, you need scale to fuel, a, a, to truly fuel a go to, go to market. Um, and then there's this third category. There's a couple nuances in here, but largely it comes from the programmatic bid stream. Um, and it's, you know, we just don't think it's a sustainable approach uh, from, for lots and lots of reasons. There's, you know, privacy and compliance, there's data ownership, like, you know, the publishers don't, there's no value exchange with the publishers. So it, it's to think in the long run, it's just not kind of like a load bearing structure for, uh, for intent data in the long game. Um, so that's how we see the market. We might be biased. We're probably biased, but th those are the three categories that, that we put the market into. 
That's interesting to me. Like the the single source, I I mean, that one jumped out to me the most. Um, just because it's like as I as you look at like, oh wow, like because like to, to me as an SDR, I'm like, oh, does that mean like I should just go to G2 Crowd and Prospect? Like, is that a thing that I would think about? Because I feel like SD like SDRs once you get to like a certain point in prospecting, like you try to look a little bit deeper, right? Like. For example, like I could say that, um, you know, a company that's looking for a MarTech solution, it's like, well, are you looking for like, you know, a Marketo or like a Pardot or are you looking for something that can help with your social media posts? Like those are two different, you know, sets of, of tools that you'll use. And so I'm, I'm just curious on like how, I guess it's more of like a user question, but maybe you could speak to this a little bit, but like how people are are using some of that data, like from G2 Crowd, right? Like you mentioned them being a, a huge source. Yeah. Like how are people using the G2 Crowd data like in their actual day-to-days? Yeah, I mean, I think, go back to like the keep it simple thing. It's, it's, it is a higher percentage shot. I mean, random company that didn't go to G2 Crowd, company that did go to G2 Crowd, like I'll take the company that did go. Even though, yeah, it could have been for any reason, it, they might not be in market at all, but I'll still, I'll still take that shot. I'll take that like, you know, 10 foot runner versus, you know, a three point shot with just some like Fermo data. So I think there's flaws in all of this data. It's just like, what is giving you really good high percentage shots that's meaningfully moving the needle, right? Like if it's, you know, whether it's number of opportunities, if it's total pipeline, whatever the metric is, what's moving the needle. And I think flaws in all these, these, you know, this data moves the needle for sure. Yeah, I forget who said this to me once, but it was someone was talking to me and there's like a piece of advice that like good sellers are always just trying to find a way to give them like a leg up, right? Or put them in a position of control or put them in a position of of like how to move things forward. I'm butchering the actual line. It sounded a lot better than that, <laughs> but, but, but like what you're like, but again, it, 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 it rings so true for me because it's like, as a seller, it's like, well, yeah, there's a lot of ways you can go about doing this, right? But this is, and without having to overcomplicate it, it's like, this is just going to put you like in a slightly better situation to go after this set of companies versus those. Like, you know, and you can start to strip it apart and get really complex, but I think no matter what, you're, it's going to be tough to, to like capture and then maintain customers like that just because they get in their own way. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, some of it we do to ourselves, not Bombora specifically, but just the vendor sphere in general is we, we, we oversell and we're like, oh, this magic thing, it must be complicated. It's like, no, it's actually just call. <laughs> That's it. It's not complicated at all. Um, but I think, you know, if you have vendors saying like, hey, we know where they are in the buyer's journey and, you know, we know exactly what they searched for. Well, if I'm a sales rep, I'm like, well, shit, that, sorry. I don't know if I can swear. You can uh, curse. Yeah. No, is it 18 plus on this? Right. <laughs> so like, okay, that must be kind of complex. I must be careful when I use this great information. Um, so I think some of it is our own fault. Um, but some of it is we're some I think some companies are just scared to tell customers, like, no, it's actually not that complicated. Yeah, yeah. Cause I I think like, you know, like we were saying, like it's it's a competitive space. So people go on this like buzzword bingo triathlon of like trying to like make their value prop sound so so sexy. And it's like, no, it's like just call the people that, you know, seem to be in market for what you're doing or researching what you guys are doing. You're gonna um, call somebody. You're calling. 
you're yeah, yeah, you're gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. We're just saying, call these. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it's it's amazing. Because um, <laughs> you know what? Like once you start to get crazy complicated, and you talk about like buyer journey, and it's like unless you're bugging the exact offices of your prospects, you don't know where they really, really are. It's just directional. It's, in, you know, it's indicative. Like, you know, and I think the people that try and take it to the nth degree are like, it's just, it's an expectation. You can never, you can never really meet. For yeah. Sure. I'd, I was going to say one thing that to add in there, like, as I'm thinking about this out loud, you both made me laugh so hard in my head. Cause I'm like, I cannot, overemphasize the amount of times I've tried to over engineer a sequence to an account. It's ridiculous. And every SDR has done this. You both have done this too. You literally think like, I know every step that, you know, Adobe's team needs to take in order to get them to want to have a meeting and a contract with me. So I'm going to start by thinking, Hey, uh, where's this marketer at right now? Oh, like they're going through reevaluation for their COVID plan and they need to think of new tools to cut or keep in their 2020 marketing agenda. Okay. Now what can I say to the director of marketing at the, like chill, like you do not have to get that deep because a, they don't always see your messages, right? Like they're not always going to read what you say. And so like you're, you're, you're spending lost time and the key thing to keep it simple and like to, to wrap all this up, it's like stick to the simplicities of the facts that you have in front of you. Like to your point, Michael, keep it simple. Like if you know Adobe's in market for a new, I don't know, sales technology, like maybe they need outreach or they need sales loft and they don't have one right now. Cause whatever the reason is like, okay, like just ask them, Hey, I noticed X, Y, or Z. Is this something worth a conversation? Like, keep it so simple yeah. because you might like you might have spent four hours building out that campaign, and they are not even in market until 2023 because they signed a two-year deal with a competitor of yours. So you're right. just wasting your energy. So That's didn't mean true. to rant there, but I just I I've done it too many times, and I'm like I can only imagine how many other people have also done this, and they're trying to be smarter, but it's like actually be dumber. <laughs> right now yeah yeah get dumb that's good uh, <laughs> best advice we've heard on this podcast yet uh, stop thinking be dumb just just right. do it there's a good there's probably a good video in there somewhere if we had i don't know how much it would cost us to make but to see both sides of that like the adobe side and like the sdr the sales rep side like thinking they know what's going on and how they're thinking and then you know what the conversation is going on at adobe which is probably something completely different it's totally irrelevant um so I've done that too many times yeah, yeah. um i think it's like some someone said this before kev too but like uh the idea of talking to your customers is one of the things that we don't like we don't think a lot of marketers are doing and we think that's going to be huge to the success of any future business development marketing um, program. So I'm curious, like how, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but like how much are you guys talking to your customers over at Bumbor? And like, how do you guys like stay in tune to kind of like, Hey, we have all this data and we know what's happening at Adobe. I'm putting that in air quotes cause you have yeah. the data. Right. But yeah. like, how much do you guys stay like grounded in that? Like, Hey, like this is what's actually happening in our community um, right now. Yeah. So do you mean um, like how much we are sharing kind of insights back to our customers or just how much we're interacting with our customers in terms of how they're using the data and that type of thing? 
Yeah, I'd say the latter, like how you're interacting yeah. with customers and they're using the data, at least for me yeah. personally. I don't know about you, Kev. You know, I, I think like a lot of a lot of people we have talked to, they just they prioritize the voice of the customer so much that and, and that is what feeds their decisions and how what their roadmap is and how they evolve and how they go to market. Yeah. And so, you know, talking with your customers, like what do you guys learn and, and, and how what's you know, how are you guys leveraging voice of the customer? Yeah, no, I think we learned a lot um, through working with more and more customers over time. Um, and one is like use cases, right. For intent data. Um, I think early on when we were back in the earliest days, we were talking about earlier, we really were pretty lost. I mean, the first couple of things that we tried in retrospect were really kind of low impact use cases. And like, and then as the, the business evolved and we figured out you could do so many things with the data, I think we would just kind of barf use cases and be like, you could, anything, you think of anything you could do. And then as we moved along, like, you know, what really works well is sales prioritization. And so now through listening to our customers, seeing what works, seeing what became sticky, it's, we, we learned, it was like, Hey, you should, with intent data, our philosophy is you should start with sales prioritization and then let the data expand into lots of other use cases from that platform. Because it's like, hey, if sales is generating revenue, everyone can align around that, right? Marketing can jump on board for that. Product marketing can jump on board for that. Uh, AEs and kind of, um, you know, more senior sellers can jump on board for that. Um, so that's one thing we learned through talking to our customers. The other is, you know, and it's a struggle point is like, hey, how do, how do I do attribution? How do I go back to my CFO and say intent data is making us lots and lots of money? Which you think it would be easy, but it's actually not. Um, like you think you'd be like, well, just look at the ops that you called because they were surging. And it's like, well, apparently it's not, it's not that simple. Um, so that's <laughs> on the plate right now. Um, we're looking at some productization around our historical data to help, help our customers with attribution. So I like to think that, you know, most of what we're working on is coming from our customers. Yeah. And, and I would say just knowing you and knowing, you know, a lot of your team there, I mean, I know I, I like when we worked together, like I saw it firsthand, like you guys were constantly in front of customers. And I think this is probably like what, what birthed a lot of what you guys do is like, just it's having conversations with the customers, what they, what they're trying to achieve, what they're missing. And, you know, I, I always felt like, you know, the way I always explain like Eric Matlick, Matlick was always like, he's got this like crystal ball and he can like see into the future. Right. Cause it was almost like a lot of what he's done. It's like, he created this thing that evolved to this thing that all sounds like bang category created. And I'm like, smart dude, smart yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he, you know, he, that he's on this, all on all of his ventures, he's had a tremendous vision and this one in particular. Yeah. Really, you know, to, to see that he knew what we needed to do. He just saw what we needed to do. He knew we needed way more data. He knew that like this, cause think about all the other, media companies that talk about how awesome their data is. I mean, it's, that's, that's kind of, you know, it's really typical. He totally zagged. He was like, no, our data sucks all by itself. It's not enough. It's nowhere near enough. And yeah. this whole other tact of like, if we want this to be impactful for the market, we need lots and lots and lots of data from all these other companies who also have valuable data. So there was like a good kind of humbleness in what, gave him the vision to, to, you know, build the business. That's, that's a really, really interesting way of putting it. That's a really oh. interesting way of putting it. I, 
man, I remember when I first started out as an SDR, when I would just think about like just using one piece of information, like selling to schools, for example, like going off of just the number of students, not going to do that much good for me. Like, not at all. But then the second I overlay that with, oh, like the number of students and the school is one to one, meaning every kid has a tech, has a computer. Like, oh, wow, now that's two layers. Oh, they also have, you know, a, uh, a content and instruction. Um, oh, my God. A director of curriculum instruction that's specifically made for creating individualized education plans. Like, that's three pieces of data. Now that, oh, I'm looking at this account, I have so much more information that can qualify this account versus just one layer of data, which sure. to your point, Kevin, earlier about like yeah. keeping it simple. So... So we, we, we've talked a lot about data and, and Mike, I feel like you, you, that's probably all you talk about all day, every day. Um, but I, w- I want to talk about you a little bit because you obviously are, are a co-founder of Bombora and throughout your career, you've done an amazing job of being in one capacity or another, a, a sales leader, a leader in a company and, and help grow these companies tremendously, right? So you've done an amazing job of growing the sales organization at, at Bombora. And when you first started, it was probably more like the co-founder, founder-led selling. When did you know it was like, you know what? It's probably time to start getting a sales team. Like, what, what, Was there a moment there or were you just like, did you take it too long? Did you do it at the right time? Like, Tell me a bit about that transition. Good question. I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I can answer that. I mean, we did so much and I, I think all companies probably, if they're being honest, would say this. We did so much wrong. That it, I don't know that that necessarily we could get into some of the channel, you know, channel partner stuff because that folds in here for a while. It was like we were just all indirect. So, you know, when we needed a sales team, like the stakes were a little bit lower. And then we, we did slowly build a sales team. I don't know that we did it. I guess I would do so much different and I would probably do... Um, you know, I would do so much different with our go to market that I would I would want to rewrite the whole book and then tell you when we should have hired a sales team. Oh, wait. So let, I love that. Actually, could you give me like a quick table of contents of what you would want to start that book to look like? Well, we've landed there now with our model and it's taken us a long time and it was really clunky. We got there. And so essentially now we have lots and lots and lots of partnerships, but we don't other than maybe one, we don't have any resellers, right? So we found this beautiful model where we are embedded inside of different platforms like Engageo and Terminus and Rollworks and Outreach and um, lots of others. And you can get a little bit of Bombora inside of all these platforms. You can get exposure to it, you can test it. And if you wanna unlock all the Bombora, you'd come to our direct sales team. And this is a great model because our Partners get awesome intent data. They get to offer awesome intent data right out of the box, which is really what they want. Um, and we get to kind of like enjoy the, the, the kind of like the better economics and scalability of having a direct sales organization. So if I had to do it all over again, I would have started with that model. Um, and it actually would have been a lot easier. <laughs> it would have been a lot easier if we had. And it would have been a lot easier then when we were, you know, the market was less noisy and crowded. 
Interesting. So like if I'm thinking like, oh, let me go start a startup and go into this space, my first thought would be create partnerships with the people that already have the users that fit my potential market the best and then figure out ways to technologically fit my product into their product as similar to to me. I kind of equate this to, to WordPress widgets. Not belittling the product at all. Yeah, yeah like totally. The way that WordPress widgets work, it's like you just activate it and it's like now a piece of your software. And like that's what it is to me, right? And I had this theory that so many companies now would kind of get into this widget-based mode. And again, that's a whole left field conversation, but like I see that being super helpful, like based off of what you said, like you're on like 20, 30, 40 different partnership products so like the easiest way for you to get on there is a widget not a full-blown integration yeah that's right yeah i think it as it certainly for a data company i if you're really a true pure play data data business um i'd say i really like that model uh everybody everybody wins in that model the, the user gets something valuable the the partner that's controlling the end user selling to the end user gets something valuable and the data company can still enjoy the much, much, much better economics of having a direct sales team. It's really hard to to scale and you know have a really successful company just through a channel business in, in the data world. I find. And and over time, do you find because you're you're sort of integrating all these different platforms and and have all these partnerships? Do you find that because so many users are exposed to your data, even if it's like a small portion of it, you know? So let's just say, like for instance, like someone's a power user, right? Uh, using outreach that, that you guys, I think is pretty recent too. So congrats yeah. on that. That's awesome. Yeah, um, but like they're, they're like a power user of outreach and then they go on to start building out, you know, they get new gig, they find a new, you know, they're, they're leading a sales team and they're like, Oh, remember that like Bumbora intent data stuff? Like that was the shit. Right. And like, it's building like, you know, it's just sort of building this long tail growth of people being exposed to it. And then, you know, potentially coming back, like, are you seeing that? like kind of building a huge community around oh. you guys? Yeah, it's getting, it's, it's, the, it's not a perfect word, but I'll say it's getting easier because it's not easy at all. So it's a bad word, <laughs> but it is getting easier where it's like, oh yeah, so-and-so switched over to Acme Corp and she called us right away. And you know, there's, that happens. And, and yeah, there's just a lot more validation out in the market in general. And I think our, our distribution strategy, our partnership strategy probably only helps us there. So yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a good thing for sure. So, so maybe not so much for, for you um, and Bombora, but over, you know, as, as this crazy world of sales and marketing that we're in is, is evolving, like, and maybe more particularly around data, like, are there any big changes? Like, is there major innovations you see coming or is it going to kind of just like, we kind of hit that massive wave of innovation. We're going to kind of plateau a bit. I think I was thinking about if I changed my, uh, six months ago when I was actually out at conferences and like talking to people in person, (laughs) uh, I used to think is like, we need a period of adoption, a really nice, solid period of adoption. It's like to our conversation earlier, we have the, this, just use intent data as one example. We have this awesome thing called intent data, but we still don't really know how to use it. Or like mm-hmm. only 25% of the markets adopted it. And there's lots of other, kind of like in the realm of sales and marketing alignment and calling on the same company, 
companies that are seeing ads and vice versa. There's just so much cool stuff that's right in front of our face that we're not doing yet that I can't even start to think about what's next because I don't really feel like we're fulfilling what we have, if that makes sense. Makes a ton of sense. And it's, uh, you know what? I think it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a really good way of looking at it because I think too often it's onto the next, onto innovation, how to differentiate, you know, and it's like, and it's like, well, no, but like, if you can just really get massive adoption and become outrageously sticky, right? Like I think of Salesforce, like, th- I mean, I've been in so many companies where it was like, would you ever get rid of Salesforce? Like we're so deep in bed with Salesforce. It's like, you can't rip that shit out. Like, you know, so like, I think for a long time, like they probably went through that, like, let's just get like crazy, crazy deep into people's process and workflows and day-to-days that were just can't replace us. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. What's that? I said, Salesforce knew what they were doing, just like Facebook knew what they were doing when they got us all addicted to the platforms. That's just (laughs) my two cents on that. But sorry, Mike, didn't mean to cut you off. Guys. No, 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 you're good. I mean, I th- I'm just saying like, even beyond like how to build a business like Bumble or Salesforce or whoever, just the whole market in general, I think could use, use some time to adopt what's out there. Um, like, you know, cause there's really, you know, we look at some of what our customers are doing and it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, <laughs> full alignment. So if there's an SDR team, let's say they're calling a thousand companies a day using a whole mix of data, right? It's not just intent data. It's who's coming to your website. It's high fit data, right? And those same thousand companies are magically seeing ads. The site's being personalized. Like that stuff is, is actually happening. It's like companies have figured it out that alignment and orchestration and automation, the tools are there to do it. Um, and I just think if everybody could like hunker into what's available now, um, we, we would be able to innovate better later to your, to your point, Kevin. Yeah, you know, because like one one of the topics we we have been talking a bit about, it's like it's no longer just sales, it's no longer just marketing, right? It's it's this kind of like orchestration of all these different teams working together. And there's always again, you know, people talk about account based marketing, the, the the sales and marketing alignment, but it's still not. It is happening in some places, but I I I'd want to think that more often than not, it's 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 unfortunately not happening. So it's like, if people can just get the adoption of the things that we have out there today, right, to, to get even just 10% better, that's going to create the foundation to like, to really create momentum and thrive versus continue, continue to just buy shit, spend, waste a ton of money on it. And you know, you're not, you're not moving the needle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. And, and something you touched on too, Michael, that we, um, that you mentioned at the beginning was like how you guys are, are getting through like you guys have not raised any VC funding, right? Like that's not a thing that you guys have gone through, which kudos to you, by the way, for doing that, because I've been around a little bit and I'm seeing some of the companies that pop up and I'm like, there are enough companies already doing that. Like you don't need to try to compete in that like already crowded space. And so I love that you guys are kind of like bootstrapping and um, could you guys talk a little bit about how that's helped you guys kind of stay true to your core of what you're trying to do in, you know, leading the way to that, you know, 25% people know what intent is. And now it's like, Hey, our mission is literally to have a hundred percent adoption at some point in time that people all understand what intent data is, how it should be used and how it can drive impact in their businesses. And it's just not a thing that they see on, you know, the trending section of LinkedIn. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, 
I think we, you know, it's not as awesome as you think. We, we were incubated inside of a different company and we had lots of R&D resources and some marketing resources. And then by the time we spun the business out, we had a little revenue. So we're able to kind of, you know, if we were just had this idea from scratch in our garage, we, we would have needed money. So it's not, like, <laughs> not that cool. <laughs> uh, but it was, we have, we have, it's served us really well. We've, we've resisted, I think, you know, the easier path of raising a bunch of money and trying to like go really big, really hard in a, like a less organic way. And yeah, it's allowed us, it's just more fun because we don't have to spend half our time preparing for board meetings and we don't have these other bosses and that that's in and of itself probably enough reason to try to stay the course first but but yeah it, it also helps you just do the right thing for your customers do the right thing for the marketplace because you have this kind of nice room to breathe and and you're playing more of a of an infinite game versus this finite game of like yeah <laughs> you're now one of my favorite people not right. many people know that <laughs> uh i love that you mentioned that the infinite game versus the finite game like you're yeah. in it for the long haul versus doing things for short-term gains i love that that yeah that sorry don't when cry. i hear that word no, don't, don't cry travis i'm not gonna cry <laughs> but like it's just in the startup land that we've been in it's just like everyone's playing to win like the amount of competitor briefs that you see the amount of people that are saying oh well like what happens if so-and-so comes up in conversation and like preparing them for that and i'm like if you guys were just playing to get better every day and, and serve your customers you wouldn't even know what so-and-so was doing over there so that's just my two cents on that. Yeah, no, and what's cool is it gets easier the longer you do it because you see the cycle of like, oh, so-and-so just raised 60 million bucks. Oh, God, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> and you take, wait, like two years later, you're like, wait a minute, we're doing great. And everything's okay. And we, we, you know, we stuck to our guns and continued to create value. And it's just like you, you go through the cycle a few times and you're like, okay. Like, uh, it gets easier, I guess, is my point. No, I think I think that comes kind of natural to you, though, because I don't know. I, I I always feel like you are the very cool, calm, collected, level-headed, like never too high, never too low. Like it was it was impressive to watch. So I think that that just kind of naturally suits you who you are. Well, thank you for saying that. Um, I think the people I work with would say that I'm a, a naive, cockeyed optimist, and <laughs> I always I always look at I, I tend to look at the positive, whereas like. I think somebody else might see, oh man, this thing's broken or we've got a big problem. Or I'm like, well, it's not that bad. And if we do this, it'll be a little better. And we're and to a fault. So, so th I, I appreciate your, you saying that, um, but there's probably a downside to it too. Yeah, but you need that balance though. You need to, like, True. I was talking to a girlfriend about this the other day. She's like, Trav, I would tell you all the time that you are too optimistic. And I was like, but really though? am i but then like you realize that on the back end of that you're like yeah because like you really think that everybody in the world is good like that is crazy like to say out loud that every human on this planet is a good human being that is insane <laughs> so so mike to take to take a little trip down memory road when when travis told me you were coming on this podcast the the one of the first things i thought about was back in the day doing the impressions of christian bale it from the movie the fighter oh right nice yeah <laughs> I love that movie, and I love Christian Bale, but especially in that movie. 
Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Y'all did these impressions together? Was this like a contest? Like, help me figure, wait, what? It was just like shooting the shit in the office. Mike would do the impressions of Christian Bale from from the the fighter. But like, it was perfect. It was perfect. And probably too granular and like specific to try to reenact here. I think most of your audience would be like, I have no idea what those guys are. Right, yeah. But yeah, we had some, definitely had some great movie movie sessions in the office still do actually i think that's a good point to end on and one thing that i've been talking about in terms of like targeting and like the new like a a way that i think marketing will move forward is this idea of like really honing in on like hey like these are salespeople who like christian bale like that's not a thing no i'm being serious though because like if you looked at the linkedin insights and looked at like what people are interested in you'd have a way better you know talk track for when you reach out to them like that's just a thing that i've picked up and i'm like oh like they follow seth godin they follow uh richard branson and they follow gary v so if i send them one of those books like that's a good play yeah i'm gonna add the christian bale thing to my linkedin for sure because you're right i'd like to get outreach about christian bale (laughs) <laughs> be great so nice um love it michael where can people connect with you and uh uh talk chat with you if they have questions about anything you shared today I'm on LinkedIn for sure i'm not a social media person but everyone in my family makes fun of me because my my social media is linkedin <laughs> um so you can find me there or you know i'm m burton at bombora the old school email feel free to drop me a line and happy to help anybody we can Thanks. Love it. Well, thank you so much for, for hopping on today, my friend. Uh, really yeah, appreciate it. And uh, Kev, anything else you want to close with? No, man. It's awesome talking to you. It's good to see you. Yeah, you too, buddy. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. No doubt. Thanks for listening to Addicted to Growth. If you learned something new, don't be shy. Let people know. The best way to learn a new skill is to practice day in and day out. Go execute something you just learned this week with your community. Until next time.